0: Who is the devil and where did he come from? Does he have any power? If he does, where does he get it from? What are the wiles and schemes of the devil that the Bible keeps talking about? How much attention should we be giving the devil? If the devil is defeated, can't we just ignore him? In this series, we're going to the Word to find the answers to these very common questions and more. Hello and welcome to Faith Talks. I'm your host, Emily Preston, and in these podcasts, we will be discussing how to practically apply the principles found in the Word, or how to be a doer of the Word, so that you can start seeing more of the manifestation of God's grace in every area of your life. everybody and welcome back to Faith Talks where we are learning how to walk by faith through grace. Today is part 13 of my teaching, Know Thy Adversary. In the last few episodes we have been learning about how Satan comes to steal, kill and destroy. His primary motive is to steal, kill and to destroy from what Jesus came to give us. But we learned that Satan can't steal anything from us unless he can first steal the word. He can't steal our health from us unless he can steal the word that tells us that we are healed. He can't steal our finances from us unless he can steal the word that tells us that we are blessed. He can't steal our covenant of protection from us unless he can first steal the word that tells us a thousand may fall at our side and ten thousand at our right hand, but it shall not come near us. Satan can't steal anything from us unless he can first steal the word that tells us that God has already given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. Because if he can steal the word, from us that tells us who we are in Christ and what we have through the finished works of Jesus, he can then move on to killing or enticing us to give up sacrifice or let go of the things that we already have because we believe Satan's lies and suggestions about what we don't have more than we believe God's word about what we do have and so if he's successful in killing or getting us to give those things up and let them go and then he can move on to destroying or in other words getting us so miserable and consumed with the problems and the circumstances of our life, that he renders us useless to our purpose and calling that God's placed on our life. He puts us out of the way entirely where we turn our backs on God and give up on the word and think that the word doesn't work. And it all starts with thoughts. The enemy cannot steal the word from us unless he can trick us into believing his lies, suggestions, opinions and thoughts that contradict the word of God. So his number one motive is to steal the word, and the number one way that Satan steals the word is by coming to us with lies, thoughts, suggestions, arguments, opinions, and reasonings that contradict the word of God. And remember that Satan doesn't always come to us in the third person. He makes his thoughts sound like our thoughts. And because we think that they're our thoughts, we don't recognize the enemy behind them and we pay attention to them. Now, today I'd like to take you to the word and show you two other ways that the enemy steals the word. And these are ways that are so common to all of us that we may not even recognize that it's the enemy trying to steal the word. So what I'm going to show you today is life-changing. So primarily, the enemy uses lies, thoughts, reasonings, arguments, suggestions, and opinions that contradict the word of God, to attempt to steal the word. And again, remember that it may not be a 180 degree contradiction of the truth. It might be a slight deviation from the truth. But remember that even a slight deviation from the truth makes it a lie. And again, an example of this is, I just know that I'm going to get healed. I know that the word is working in my body and I know that I'm going to get healed. Now, why would that be the enemy trying to steal the word? Because God says that by the stripes of Jesus, you were healed. God says that he sent his word and healed you, healed us and delivered us from destruction. So healing is a finished work. Healing is already ours. We are already healed. Healing was accomplished at the cross 2000 years ago. So the enemy can't have us believing that we were healed, which means that we are healed. So he presents a lie to us that's a slight contradiction from that truth. So he's not telling us that we aren't healed. He's telling us that our healing is coming. We are going to get healed. And see how that slight contradiction means that we believe that we aren't yet healed. So it's not always a direct contradiction of the word of God. It might be a slight deviation from the truth of the word of God, but that means that it ends up being a lie. And that's why, guys, we have to measure everything that we're saying, everything that we're believing about what we're standing on the word for. We have to hold it up to the word of God and make sure that it is 100% in line with God's word that says that we already have everything that pertains to life and godliness. Anyway, that was a bit of a sidetrack. So today I'm going to show you again two more ways where the enemy steals the word. And we're going to look again at the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4. So if you look at verse 11 of Mark chapter 4, Jesus says here that it has been given to us to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. Okay, so the parable of the sower contains the mystery of the kingdom of God. Isn't that awesome? You know, so many people say, oh, we just never know what God's going to do. We never know how God moves and operates. It's all a great mystery that we will never understand. However, Jesus himself says here in this verse that it has been given to us to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. So it doesn't have to be a mystery to us. All we have to do is apply ourselves to understanding what God says in the parable of the sower because the parable of the sower is the foundational principle for all of the principles of the kingdom of God. So obviously, the principles that Jesus describes in the parable of the sower are the underpinning principles. They are the secret to laying hold of everything that the kingdom of God contains, all the healing, all the prosperity, all the success, the wisdom, the peace, the protection, everything that grace has provided. The secret to laying hold of all of those things is found in the parable of the sower. And what is the foundational principle of the parable of the sower? The sower sows the word. We are the sowers and we sow the word by speaking it, by agreeing with it, by declaring it, by confessing it, by renewing our mind to it. We sow the word and the word goes to work for us. Now, we've already talked about how Satan comes to steal the word. He comes immediately to steal the word, to take away the word that is sown in our heart. And he does that, as we've discussed previously, through lies, suggestions, opinions and arguments that are a contradiction to God's word. You're not really healed. Look at the symptom. You're not really blessed. Look at your bank account. You're not really protected. Look at all the things that are going on in the world around you. Okay, so he shows up to steal the word through contradictions to God's word. And then I noticed in the very next verse, in verse 16, Jesus describes the seeds that are sown on stony ground. And he says in this verse, he says, these likewise. Now, what I saw in this verse is this, in the same way that Satan comes to steal the word from the first type of ground... Likewise, he comes to steal the word from the second type of ground. And how does he do it in this scenario? Through tribulation and persecution that arises for the word's sake. Okay, so in the first type of ground, Satan has shown up to steal the word by presenting lies and thoughts and suggestions and contradictions. In the second type of ground, he shows up to steal the word, but this time he's using tribulation and persecution to try and steal the word. People get enthusiastic and excited about the word of God. They're making their confessions every day. They're meditating on the word. They're expectant and full of faith that the word of God is working for them. So now Satan shows up with tribulation and persecution designed, again, also to steal the word. Now, traditionally, people think that tribulation or affliction or persecution is some kind of physical challenge. They think it's a trial or some fiery furnace ordeal or a wilderness experience or a sickness or a financial blow or some other physical challenge. However, if you look at what these words mean in the original language, It's something entirely different. That word tribulation, which is also translated affliction, is the Greek word thlipsis, and it means pressure, especially internal pressure that causes someone to feel confined, restricted or without options. It's the feeling that there is no way of escape. So it's actually not a physical challenge at all. It's a mental challenge. (laughs) So we have our list of confessions, our word seed, and we're speaking the word intentionally and determinedly over our situation. We are full of hope and faith that the word is going to work for us. And so what happens? The devil shows up to steal the word and he uses tribulation or affliction. He starts to apply pressure to us about the situation. He bombards us with thoughts about the situation designed to make us feel trapped, confined, restricted and without options. And he'll say to us things like, What am I going to do if this doesn't work? I've only got a short amount of time before I have to have this situation resolved. I have to try and figure this out and try and figure out everything that I can do to fix this. Maybe if I research enough, maybe if I talk to some more people, maybe if I get some expert advice, maybe if I get enough people praying for me, then I'll get the answer that I need. And what happens? We are bombarded with thoughts about the situation 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's the first thing we think of when we wake up, and it's the last thing we think of before we fall asleep. And he may even use doctors or experts or family members or other people to pressure us, and they'll say things to us like, why are you standing on the word? That's irresponsible. You can't do that. You have to be sensible. Use your common sense. Think of your family. And what is this? Pressure, trying to force us to give up on the word and take the easy or the natural way out. We feel like the walls are closing in on us from each side. We are feeling confined, restricted, and without options. But what's really happening? Satan is using tribulation or affliction to pressure us into giving up on the word. Tribulation and affliction have arisen... For the word's sake. Or he will use persecution. Persecution is the Greek word diogmos and it means to chase, to pursue. Literally means the hunt to bring someone down like an animal. If you've ever watched those nature programs and watched how a lion hunts their prey, They won't always go straight in for the kill, especially when they're hunting an animal that's larger or stronger or more powerful than them. So what do they do? They chase the animal relentlessly. They try to tire them out and wear them down to the point where they're so exhausted from trying to escape their hunter that they collapse, which is when the lion can go in for the kill. We have the greater one living on the inside of us. We are overcomers. We are more than conquerors. We are seated at the right hand of majesty with Jesus. We have been given authority and dominion over the enemy and all of his power. We are way more powerful and stronger because of who is in us then the devil, then the lion that's seeking whom he may devour. So he can't just come in for the kill. He has to persecute us. He has to pursue us relentlessly with thoughts, reasonings and opinions designed to tire us out and wear us down to the point where we weary in well-doing, let go of our confession of faith think that the word isn't working and ultimately give up. And that's when he can move in for the killing. And this is the reason why many people think that the problem seems to get worse as soon as they start standing on the word. You know what, guys? The only reason the problem can get worse after we start standing on the word for it is if we're speaking the word over the situation but also giving life to the problem by talking about it, discussing it, analysing it with other people, or in other words, empowering it to get worse through our own death-filled words. But if we're holding fast to our confession of faith without wavering, the only reason the problem seems to get worse is because... Satan has come to steal the word. The devil will use thoughts to point out every little detail about the situation. He will amplify the symptoms or situation by drawing every moment of our attention to them. And he'll say things like, The problem is still there. It's getting worse. The word mustn't be working. If it is working, it wouldn't be getting worse. And what's he doing? He is now persecuting us. He is now pursuing us, chasing us relentlessly with thoughts about the situation, which are designed to wear us out and get us so defeated that we give up on the word. He's applying pressure, applying tribulation and persecution to us to try and get us to let go of our confession of faith, to believe his lies about the situation more than we believe the word, to weary in well-doing, to think that the word isn't working. He's shown up to steal the word. One of the other definitions of persecution is persecution that comes from other people. Now, guys, this is super important. Jesus also mentions here in Mark 4 verse 17 that persecution arises for the word's sake and immediately they stumble. That word stumble means to cause to sin, to cause to become indignant, to shock or offend. It literally means to set a snare and cause someone to fall into a trap. Persecution arises for the word's sake and causes people to stumble, to fall into a trap have you ever noticed that whenever you get an awesome revelation from God, or you might get really excited about the word and you're pressing in and standing on the promises of God, that an opportunity to get into offense almost always comes up? <laughs> You'll come out of your prayer time or your quiet time and immediately have an opportunity to have an argument with your spouse, or yell at your kids, or get offended at someone on social media. It happens all the time and it's happened to me many times. For example, I'll share something with you. I've been so excited about this series and to share all of the amazing things that I've been seeing in the word. And just the other day, I saw some things on social media involving people I knew in the past. And these are people that I had had a really bad experience with and had to really deal with unforgiveness toward. And suddenly, as soon as I saw what I saw, I was bombarded with thoughts about them that I knew were trying to get me to resurrect all those old resentments and feelings that I had struggled with many years ago. And all of a sudden, I felt like all the wind was sucked out of my sails and I started to feel defeated and unmotivated and unenthusiastic, all because of something I'd seen. And I didn't feel like recording any more podcasts or confessing the word or listening to a good teaching because I was so consumed with thoughts about all of the ways that these people had hurt me and all of the thoughts that were bombarding me about them. And what was happening? the devil was using persecution. He was using a bad experience I'd had in the past to hammer me with thoughts about these people. He was setting a trap for me made of his thoughts, trying to get me to get back into offense and unforgiveness with those people and ultimately steal the word. (laughs) And thankfully, because I'm studying this very topic (laughs) I recognized it immediately and then started praying intentionally for those people. I spoke to the devil and I actually said to him, I see you, devil. I see you laying a trap for me. I see you trying to get me back into offense and unforgiveness with these people. Shut your mouth in Jesus' name. And I prayed blessing and revelation of truth over those people and those feelings and thoughts that I was being bombarded with vanished. And see guys, the devil can't have us bearing fruit. He can't have us giving testimony to God's goodness and mercy and grace in our lives and setting other people free. So he has to, has to, has to steal the word. And one of the ways he does this is through persecution. He sets a trap for us, a trap of thoughts about other people designed to get us into strife, offence or unforgiveness because he knows that strife, unforgiveness and offence will cause us to stumble. It will cause us to fall into his trap. And guys, this may not even be something from other people. This may not even be persecution from other people that's aimed directly at us. We have a multitude of opportunities every day to get offended at other people simply because of what they're saying or doing that we don't agree with. And the number one example of this is people on the public stage of society Politicians, lawmakers, people in government, prominent public figures, social media and the news is a smorgasbord of opportunities to get offended or into strife and unforgiveness because people have free reign to broadcast all their opinions and beliefs and ideas of what they support or are against. And we may not like it, <laughs> we may not agree with them, and if we aren't careful, we can can fall into that trap of offense with someone simply because of what they believe or support that we don't agree with. Guys, we have to remember that people who say things or believe things or support things or do things that are in contradiction to the word of God do them because they are believing the lies of the devil. They are simply people in a human body that have submitted to the lies of the enemy and are being used by him to carry out his wicked plans in the earth. But people are never our problem. They are never, ever, ever our problem. Our wrestle is not with flesh and blood. But the devil knows that hardly any people know that. And so he will use other people's words, actions, or beliefs to cause us to get into offense. And in doing so, He is successful in stealing the word. Offense, unforgiveness and strife will choke the word and make it unfruitful. We have to remember that all strife, all unforgiveness and all offense, no matter who they are toward, will cause us to stumble, to fall into the snare of Satan. And he has successfully stolen the word. And again, all of these things, all tribulation, all affliction, all persecution, all traps of offense and unforgiveness, they all originate in our thoughts. The enemy's tactics, wiles, and schemes are his thoughts. The lies and suggestions of the enemy that are all designed to steal the word. Okay, let's talk about the third way that the enemy comes to steal the word. Looking again at Mark chapter 4, Jesus talks about the third type of ground, which is where the seed is sown among thorns, which choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. The thorns are the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in, Choke the word and make it unfruitful. Notice again that cares, which are anxieties and worries, deceit or the deceitfulness of riches and desires or the desires for other things, all take place where? In the mind. Cares, deceit and desires all take place in the mind and they all start with thoughts. So again, likewise, Satan comes in this scenario to steal the word with his anxious, care-filled, worry-filled thoughts that Jesus calls the cares of the world. And they could be cares about the government and the state of our country, cares about the future, cares about our safety, cares about our children, cares about our finances or our health, cares about other people's opinions of us, cares of our ministry. It could be a million things that we could be carrying care about. The deceitfulness of riches. So we do our confessions in the morning, but we spend the rest of the day worrying about money, thinking about money, trying to come up with ways to get more money or what we're going to do with our money. And we think, oh, I don't have time to meditate on the word all day. I have to think about how we're going to get more of this or more of that, because that's how all our problems will be solved. (laughs) And then what's the third thing? The desires for other things. The desires for other things choke the word. What does this look like? We spend a few minutes in the morning praying, but the rest of the day is spent scrolling Facebook and Instagram, watching the news, watching funny cat videos on TikTok or YouTube, keeping up with the Kardashians, and our minds are consumed with thinking all about other people and what they're doing and saying or what we've seen and heard. Things that are bringing us no life, but instead are choking the word and making it unable To bear fruit. That's why God tells us in Proverbs 4, verse 22, to give attention to my word, to incline your ears or listen to my sayings. Do not let my word depart from your eyes. Keep my word in the midst of your heart or going over in your mind, will, and emotions. Why? Because it's only my word or God's word that brings life to us and health to us. So the desires for other things will choke the word and make it unfruitful. Do you know that statistics show that the average person, and I'm talking about the average person, (laughs) spends between two and a half to three hours a day on social media. And on top of that, the average person spends three hours a day watching TV. That's 5.5 to 6 hours a day. That's just average (laughs) spent putting our mind, thoughts and attention on things that aren't the word of God unless you're watching teaching videos or listening to good sermons or something. That's the average person spends nearly six hours a day feeding on trash. And I actually read somewhere recently that young people spend eight hours a day on social media, eight hours a day on other people's lives, other people's thoughts, other people's opinions. Now, guys, I'm not saying that we can't watch a bit of TV here or there or scroll social media once in a while, but what are we giving the majority of our attention to? Are we giving the majority of our attention to God's word, which is the only source of life, the only source of health, the only source of peace, the only source of success? Or are we giving our attention to all this other trash that is actually choking the word, And making it unable to bear fruit. Now, remember that Satan is subtle, cunning, and deceitful, and he comes to steal the word. So, if he can distract us from the word by drawing our attention to all of these other things that choke the word, then it's as good as him stealing it himself. And he uses thoughts. Again, the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts for other things or the desires for other things all originate with thoughts and he uses thoughts that are worry-filled, care-filled, anxiety-filled thoughts about all of the affairs of our life to choke the word. He uses thoughts that are designed to distract us into getting our mind on things other than the word to choke the word. He uses thoughts about our finances, how we can get more money, what to do with our money, how to manage our money. He uses those thoughts to choke the word. That's why God tells us to cast all of our cares onto him. He doesn't want anything choking the word. That's why God tells us to meditate on his word day and night, because his word will make us prosperous and successful. That's why God tells us to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, because then all the other things that we need and desire will be added to us. That's why God tells us to guard our hearts, our minds, our eyes, our ears, with all diligence, with all diligence. Some translations say above all else, guard your heart because why? Out of the ground of our hearts flows all of the forces that will affect our lives, that will affect our health, that will affect our finances, that will affect our peace, that will affect our children, that will affect our lives. Satan cannot have the word bearing fruit in our lives. So he uses thoughts, again, thoughts designed to wear us down, wear us out, put pressure on us, distract us and cause us to stumble or fall into his trap. Because if he's successful in deceiving us into taking these thoughts, he has successfully stolen the word, which means that he can then move on to killing and destroying. Now, before you think that it's all too hard and how am I ever going to deal with all of these thoughts, I would like to reassure you and encourage you that God has made it very simple for us. In every temptation, test and trial, he has already provided a way of escape and his way is easy and will never burden us down. So we're going to wrap up this series in the next few episodes with going into the word to find out how. How do we recognize the lies and suggestions of the enemy? How do we recognize his tactics and his schemes? How do we prevent him from ever stealing the word from us ever again and what we can do about it? And it's going to be awesome, guys. And it's going to be truth that makes you free. So again time is running out. If you have any questions at all related to what we've been talking about, questions about the devil, please send me an email, questions at faithtalks.com.au so that I can make sure to answer your question in the upcoming Q&A episode. I've had lots of really awesome questions coming in. So I'm going to devote a whole episode to answering those questions and showing you in the word, what the word says about it. So again, let me know what that burning question is at questions at faith talks.com.au. All right, guys, I look forward to you joining me next week as we start to get into the hows. God bless you. And I'll catch you next week on Faith Talks. Thank you so much for being part of today's episode of Faith Talks. If you have any questions related to today's or any of my previous episodes, if you have a testimony you would like to share, or for a free copy of Confessions for Life, please email me at questions at faithtalks.com.au. For episode announcements and regular encouragement, you can now find Faith Talks with Emily Preston on Facebook and Instagram. Finally, if you know anyone who would benefit from today's or any of my previous teachings, please share this podcast with them and help them receive revelation of the truth that will make them free. Until next time, know that I am praying for you and don't forget to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. And you will be blessed in everything that you do. God bless you.